Hi, welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles, and this is the sports podcast where we talk about the best events and stories from across the global competitive landscape. Okay, so let's start it off with the Grey Cup. Um, Absolutely. Yes, uh, you've got to be very happy about it. Um, so we had the big championship game and uh, between Ottawa and the Red Blacks. And guess who wins it? The Ottawa Red Blacks against the Calgary Stampeders, not Ottawa versus the Red Blacks. That would be an oh, interesting sorry. scrimmage. Uh, Ottawa Red Blacks versus the Calgary Stampeders. The winner of the game is the Calgary, Calgary Stampeders. Absolutely. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Thing of beauty, I don't have much to say analytically about this. Uh, just to say, I am a huge Calgary Stampeders fan. I was at the game. I've never been at a game. I've never. It was so great to watch your favorite team. The Calgary Stampeders are really the only team I have left in my adulthood that's like I'm a complete fanatic about. <laughs> and to watch them in person win the championship, I was when they returned that partner turn right at the end of the half. I was so excited, almost. I just fist pumped and almost punched the guy that was sitting in front of me right in the back <laughs> of my head. Oh, I was hoarse. I'm, I'm impressed that I can talk right now because I could barely speak at the end of the game for all the times I just screamed when Calgary got a pick <laughs> or something like that. It was so great. That's awesome. It, uh, it, was, a, it was a really good game. Uh, it was back and forth the whole time. Uh, but Calgary, being the powerhouse team that they are, managed to not choke and won that game. Yeah, unlike previous years where they've completely gone away from who they are in the Grey Cup and it's messed yeah. with them, uh, this was exactly the team you saw all year. It was great defense, timely defense, with uh, just enough, a good, solid offense behind. Like, their offense is not spectacular, but it's a solid offense that gets them about 27 points a game, and they had one of the best defenses of all time. They are first in every single category imaginable, and yep. they completely overwhelmed Ottawa, especially in the second half. Oh, 200%. And they have a defenseman basically up until that point who missed literally like three tackles the entire year. Like, yeah. <laughs> they were a well-oiled machine. There's an interesting side. It has nothing to do with the game as a whole. But did you know Kyrie Zay Bear is still in the league? <laughs> and he what? made like 14 tackles last game. Like, the really? public announcer every si- after like every third play was tackled by Kyrie Zaber. And the first time he said, "I'm like, is he still in the league?" And then by the end, I was quite sure he was in the league because he kept making tackles. <laughs> the man keeps going. He's unstoppable, Energizer Bunny. Okay, um, let's slide over now to the NCAA. Uh, we'll let the Canadian game take a little bit of a rest for the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, congratulations once again to the, the Stampeders, a well-deserved win there. But we'll move on to the NCAA where we had some other crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, news. let's start with the absolute madness of a seven-overtime game. Yes, LSU playing Texas A&M in a wild football game. Um, so this one ended up going into seven overtimes, as he said before, uh, the winner of this tilt being, uh, Texas A&M, uh, I'm still kind of shook by this kind of <laughs> a, a craziness that is this football game. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like the LSU, uh, Joe Burrow, the quarterback, ran 29 times. Like the numbers just get out of control at some point, at certain yeah, point. Yeah, like it, it, when you get to seven overtimes, you just kind of can't stop, won't stop. It ends up being 74, 72. Um, <laughs> it's just scoring and scoring and two-point conversion and scoring and two-point conversion. And yeah, after the second overtime, you have to go for two-point converts. So they not only kept matching touchdown or field goal, but matched two-point converts or not. Yeah, and yeah, it took quite a while till the A and M got the got the two point convert, and LSU couldn't pull that couldn't pull quite that far. Yeah, um, big win for them to kind of finish off their their season. Uh, yeah, they'll be both of these teams will be in bowl games, but it won't be the bowl games they were hoping for at the beginning of the season. True, uh, very very true. They were hoping for a lot kind of better, but uh, Texas A&M, this is a big win for them. Uh, beating LSU will really help the recruiting. So, uh, even if, like, they didn't expect to be in the playoff or anything. So, No, there, is, you uh, can't imagine a lot of patience with the amount of money they're paying Jimbo Fisher, but I don't think yeah. they're expecting any miracles this year. Yeah, exactly. But with Jimbo Fisher and this win at the end of the year, uh, hopefully they, if they managed to win in that bowl game, Texas A&M, we might see making a big moves real quick. Okay, let's slide over to our next game. Yeah, the um, Friday game, Oklahoma-West Virginia. This game, back and forth, wild game, not the defenses. Unlike the Kansas City-St. Louis game where it was wild back and forth and the defenses were impressive even though they were getting sliced and diced, this yeah. was wild back and forth, but I wasn't impressed with the defenses. That being said, did you see that Kyler Murray touchdown run in the first quarter? Kyler oh, that guy is out of this world athletic. Unbelievably athletic. Like If he was, if he was like 20 pounds heavier... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I'd the sad like, thing. Look out for him. Football fans aren't going to see him after this year. He's he's almost certainly going to go the baseball route in his career. But wow, what a joy to watch! Yeah, he's, I mean, he's super athletic, super exciting, putting on a show, and uh, you know, I it's going to be cool watching him play baseball because he's going to be an unbelievable outfielder. If you do want uh, someone that you will see at the next level in the NFL, watch Oklahoma for Marquise Brown. He had 200 and something yards oh, in this yeah. game, and he is definitely a next-level player. There were a few plays, like the his second touchdown ended up being like a 45-yard touchdown when he should have been tackled for seven yards or so, but the third defender in, for some reason, took just an idiotic line. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, where the defenses just weren't that good. Yeah. But he did have the athleticism that one mistake was all he needed to turn seven into 45. Which is insane. Uh, it's crazy how athletic this team is. And it's exciting to kind of see where this is going to go for these players after this. Because I, I can't imagine a 5'10", 195-pound quarterback playing in the, <laughs> playing in the show. I mean, yeah, he can he's play so his... slight. Like he, I can imagine short quarterbacks if they yeah. find the right situation, but he's so he's so skinny. 
like he is young. I don't quite know how old he is. He's, pro- he's probably 22, 23 or so. He's probably he's not going to fill year. out a lot. Yeah. He's in his junior I, year. So, I mean, we will get one more year of Kyler Murray, but... Is he not playing? I thought he was planning... I think he's saying he's going into the baseball... Is he? Yeah, he's stepping Into the baseball, baseball minor leagues next year. Because he's got $3 million contract with the A's. Oh, he might And I think well. they want him back into... I, I think they want him to start playing his con- playing next year. They just kind of oh. gave him the one year as, like, I've always dreamed of being an NCAA quarterback, so they kind of let him have that. But I think they want him in the system coming up well, next year. Yeah, so that's that. Um, that was a wild football game from <laughs> from, a, yeah. from a standpoint of scoring, but defense is nowhere to be found. No. Now let's okay. keep, uh, keep moving with the wild football games. Ohio State-Michigan was definitely the most hyped game of the weekend. A hundred percent, and the one thing that Michigan shouldn't have done, they definitely did. (laughs) Yeah, this... So Michigan has not beaten Ohio State in Ohio State since 2000. 2000, not even 2000. Yeah, literally 2000. 2000. It's been a long time, and even though they seemed like clearly the most talented team going in, it did not go well. No, not at all. Um, it's crazy to kind of see this. Uh, I thought they were going to do it. I thought they were going to pull it off and get that job done and make their way in. But now we're poised for a very different playoff situation. Yeah, this does ask a lot of questions. Like Michigan's defense, we have raved about Michigan's defense week after week on this podcast. And they somehow allowed 62 points. There was a block punt return and a few things in there. But they still allowed 400 yards passing, uh, 170 or so rushing to go along with it. Like, it was a complete yeah. falter from what we saw. 100%. And like you said, it completely opens up the playoff scenario. Yeah, now we're going to see all these teams going to their conference championships. And, you know, Georgia is playing none other than Alabama. So Yeah, so that's 1v4 this week. Yeah. But obviously the fact that they play each other means that something's going to change. Yeah, exactly. So one has to change there. Uh, Oklahoma has to play... Um, I forget who they play again. Uh, they're playing Texas. Yes, and then Ohio State plays... Uh, Northwestern. So Ohio State will probably win. Ohio State and Clemson are the two that you look at and you say they're pro- almost certainly going to win. Yeah. But we don't you know mean. if that's going to be enough for Ohio State. Yes, exactly. Like, that might not be enough for Ohio State. But if Georgia dropping means, will it be Oklahoma will it be Ohio State? Just huge That, I think, marks. is what it all comes down to. Notre Dame, they don't play, have no conference, so they'll they'll make, they're basically in. There's nothing they can do. It's yeah. just a matter of where they make it. Clemson, it would be a surprise if they don't make it. Yes. Um, Alabama, Georgia. So what if Georgia wins? Do you think Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, do you think neither Ohio State, Oklahoma get in? Um, yeah. I mean, basically, there's no way <laughs> that they would drop Alabama out of it completely. So you If I was drop... Oklahoma, especially if you beat Texas in a statement game, I would be so pissed. If you were number five, a team ahead of you lost, and you won your conference championship. 
Yeah, basically it would rock solid that because it would jump Georgia to five, drop Alabama to four, maybe, or push Notre Dame down to four, put Alabama at three. Like, yeah, I, I think th- I think Oklahoma. If everybody wins, like if everybody just wins, nobody's particularly impressive. Nobody squeaks out a victory. I think yeah. Oklahoma would make it above Ohio State. Because they are, they've got the five instead of the six, yeah. and they're facing a much more impressive opponent. That's for Where sure. Where it could get really interesting. What if Northwestern somehow upsets Ohio State and Texas beats Oklahoma, which wouldn't be a huge upset. That already happened this year, right? Yeah, no. I think uh, that's Oklahoma's one loss. That is Oklahoma's one loss. So. So would it be Washington, Washington State, sorry, is that who you would throw in there? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh, wait, no, I Washington guess. State lost to Washington. Who would, who would guess, that be in that situation? You have to slide UCF all the way in there. No. <laughs> that would, uh, like, part of me, I, I love chaos. I generally cheer for chaos. But at the same time, that would make for one. I've grown to really enjoy the that the college football playoff day. And yeah. that would certainly take a bite out of it, knowing that the first game would probably be just Alabama 77, UCF 0. Yeah, exactly. That would be literally the worst thing that could happen for excitement-wise. But, I mean, it would be... I mean, UCF deserves to go out 77 nothing though. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you can't... You, it takes a few years ahead, you got to plan your schedule, but UCF should really have had some tougher meat on their schedule. A hundred percent. If they would have, they would actually be in the conversation. But yeah, I think the one thing that uh, bothers me here is I really like the fourteen playoff. I don't feel the need for eighteen playoff. I but agree if UCF with you. keeps going undefeated, uh, the voice, the clamor for an eighteen playoff to get a team like UCF in is only going to grow louder and louder. I mean, it makes sense too. I mean, you shouldn't go undefeated and not be in the the top. It's true, but players. I generally care more about what's entertaining and what's fun. Yeah, no, I agree with and you as well. No argument that eight teams would be a lot fair. You let the five conference championships in, you allocate one for one of the lesser conferences, and then you have two wild cards. That makes complete sense. Yeah. But I also don't think it would be as entertaining as I've lived in my house for two years. The only time I've actually actively invited someone over to my place is to watch the college football playoffs. <laughs> yeah, no, I it 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 doesn't make much sense to uh, to make it so that a team slides into like be beat. Like if you bring in if you go to eight teams, I feel like you should almost go a little larger than that. So then, so like eventually you go with a back play to in four or something like that, or, what or something, thinking? so that you can allow these teams to at least have a kind of a fighting chance against a team. Because like yeah. putting UC putting one against seven just immediately ruins them. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, and that's my argument against going to eight teams because that first week you might have one good game, but I bet. Nine out of ten years, three out of the four games are complete garbage that first day. Like, like the when you got the first three, the first three games or so, yeah, it's, no. those three teams it, it are would usually just a be cut giant off. blowouts. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, 
Like, I, I understand I, the fairness argument, but that's yeah. it for me. Like, I yeah. want to be entertained. A hundred percent. Like you talk you, about fairness in a sport that makes billions of dollars and the employees make none. Yeah, and your employees make zero. <laughs> it's not exactly the fairest sport around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, if they were to go to eight, yes, it would be a little exciting in the not the first round but the second round. But the first round would be so like literally Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, or I mean Alabama, Clemson are just so much above. The teams that they would play, it it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Do you have any predictions before we move on? Okay, uh, my prediction: uh, Well, Georgia gets knocked out. Oklahoma slides into four. All right, nice and simple. Yeah, I think Oklahoma's going to win that game against Texas, no problem, and that puts them in that spot. I think I probably agree with you. That makes the most sense. Um, I want to say something. Let's say Georgia yep. somehow upsets Alabama. Okay, okay. Um, and then we'd have to, how would they set that up? Let's um, say Clemson 1. Yep. Notre Dame 2, Georgia 3. No. No, George, it would be Georgia You have two. to make sure that Clemson and Alabama don't play each other in the first round, however you set that up. Because by the eye test, those are clearly the best two teams. If we would go Georgia 2, uh, Notre, Notre Dame 4, Clemson 3. Alabama 3. Yeah. Yeah, or Alabama Clemson. 3, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. that would be Yeah, that's what I'll go, go with. Yeah. I, I can go with and that. That would, that would be, be a fun day. Fun day of football to watch. That would be very exciting. And it, Especially and it gives since us Clemson. you would immediately get a rematch between Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Good point. Didn't think about that. You're right. And you want to see championship a team, rematch week one. You want to see a team's preparation <clears throat> skills against other teams' preparation skills. A hundred percent. Imagine of the time. Nick Saban preparing for a team that he just played with months to play, having just lost to him. <laughs> yeah. No. It, oh it, man, that would be a hundred percent of the time. Nick Saban not just beats them um, by way of like talent. He beats them because he coaches this team into an early grave. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no doubt about it. Nick Saban is in a class all by himself. A hundred percent. Okay. Shall we move on to the professionals now? A hundred percent. Okay. Not uh, not the biggest week in NFL football. Not at all. That. Uh, Set a sit aside for Grey Cup football and the wild rivalry week in NCAA. After all, yeah. Uh, let's start. I want to start with a couple of teams that struggled, and I think uh, we got some questions that we didn't have a few weeks ago. The Steelers and the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Both lost this week. Panthers lost last week as well, and the Steelers won despite really not <laughs> playing well enough to win. Yeah, very, very What's your true. thoughts on these two teams? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of perplexed. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> like actually, because there's, no, there's more teams that are in that kind of weird bubble of, I have no idea what the hell is going on. And that has yeah. to be Jacksonville. Jacksonville like, is just completely fallen, like, this has to be, how quickly can you fire Doug Marone? Because the team is completely quit. Oh, it's and it's crazy to see. Like, they literally lost, like, a, a game, and then they quit. 
Like, it was one yeah. game, and they were like, well, there goes the whole season. Yeah, like, they were, what, 3-1 and one after beating the Patriots? And <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, like, if you line up the talent of the Jaguars and the Bills, this should be a 40 to nothing game. And you have a There's brawl no that gets, like, Leonard Fournette kicked out of the game. Like, you're dropping play. Like, they're fighting. Like, you've lost control as well. Yeah. And yeah, like, this team, I think they did so well last year. I don't know if Marone will be fired, but this is the kind of season that's embarrassing enough that you can you certainly consider lose your job it. for it. Yeah. Okay, so, um, I don't oh, know. Oh, and Panthers, we didn't. Yeah, I know. Double back to the Panthers. Um, the Panthers, like, who would have thought uh, they would get beat in this situation? But, like, really, we're talking about the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, um, I completely expected the Seahawks to stink this year, but like, yeah. I thought they were Russell Wilson and a bag of bones, and if that's true... Russell Wilson is really putting the team on his back. It's ridiculous that this he, team is He literally has been doing this for it. too long. <laughs> like, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He might yeah, be He's top a top five three. quarterback in my mind. Top he, three, he, that is a bold statement. He might be because, like, top, I felt can't pretty strong with my top five. Like, I got to kick out somebody good at top five. Top you three. You really is, do. That is, and <laughs> it, that is a strong statement. A hundred percent. Like the way he's playing, it, it, you have to say that he's better than someone who's playing with a capable team. So he's definitely played better than Brady this year. Yeah. I don't think you can knock Rodgers off the top. I don't think so Can't either. Can't Breeze off the top, so I guess that you're putting him ahead of the Wonderkins? I guess I am. <laughs> All right. There you Just go. Just had to That's figure it. that out. Um, Panthers, like, both of these Panthers loss have been close games. Yes. They would have... Like, they had the two-point convert when they just could have kicked a field goal, which was idiotic last week. This week is only a three-point loss, but now suddenly you're six and five. You're right on the edge of a playoff spot. Not what you hope for from my Super Bowl pick. No, not at all. Um, I did not expect this to be so clear-cut that I'm going to win this bet. But, uh, <laughs> Man, the Saints have been good. There's not much to say about the Saints this week other no, than just to say, wow. Other than them go. they are absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Um, uh, I just am shook by uh, <laughs> Carolina, though. Uh, the, I felt like they had the ability yep. to win it, but in reality, I don't think it is Carolina that I'm shook by more than I'm surprised that Seattle is really even capable of winning a football game with only Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, Russell, I, 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 on our season preview show, I raved about Russell Wilson, called one of the best players, yeah. but this is better than I expected. Oh, a hundred percent. I thought there was. I thought this team was so garbage that there was nothing he could do. But he has proven everybody wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I guess if we were to stumble back to the Steelers, I felt feel like this is the most talented team that is just not succeeding as well. Like they're tied with uh, Jacksonville in, but like the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> are doing it well. The Steelers are 7-3-1, and one, so yeah, I don't want to compare them to no, the complete dumpster fire of Jacksonville. Right? 
but like their functional team that is insanely capable of winning almost every single game they play and is seven and three. Yeah. Yeah, like, like they shouldn't have won last week. They got lucky. And yeah. that could be a very big win in the end because Baltimore, who won, uh, who the they beat this first week? One? The, uh, they beat the oh, well, they, they beat, beat the, the Raiders. Raiders. That's, yeah. uh, that's not an impressive win. No, but not at all. But they had to do it with Lamar Jackson, which is good. Yeah. For that. Yeah, that's uh, if St- if the Steelers get back on the right track, that's the Steelers' division to lose. Oh, but 100%. what we've seen from the Steelers the last couple of weeks, that is hardly a guarantee that they will be on the right track. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I just feel like the Steelers are so in limbo that I I don't know. Like I feel like they could either lose the rest of the season or win the rest of the season, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I. That is often how you feel to the Steelers right about this kind of week twelve situation. True. Like the Steelers could go on a run right here and run through everybody, or they could completely flop and nobody would <laughs> remember yeah. the season at all. Exactly. So I, I just don't know. Very, speaking, very... Yeah. Speaking about teams that you just do not remember, the San Diego Chargers keep on winning. Yeah. San Diego don't Chargers uh, don't really think do. about them. Um, Phillip Rivers had 25 completions in a row from the start of the game. So... That is like wildly impressive. Oh, absolutely wildly impressive. He tied a record. <laughs> I think Peyton Manning holds it. Um crazy 28 of 29 to finish up i i'll be honest i didn't watch this they're playing the cardinals who i don't know how many people actually watch this game those are some wild stats it is uh he basically picked them apart and it's amazing that the chiefs have done what they've done and they're still not comfortably in the lead of that division yeah exactly i i'm i'm it's very crazy to think that the Chargers could be doing so well and not be the team to look out for. That's what's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Part of it is our belief in the Chargers. We're, yes. we're not accustomed to believing in the Chargers, and I don't think I'm about to start now because they've proven again and again that they are potentially screw-ups. And also because the freaking Kansas City Chiefs also have the best quarterback in the league. So... <clears throat> Look out for the kid. <laughs> now Mahomes is the best quarterback yeah, in the league. There we go. I so gotta look at your power rankings. I'm not sure it makes any sense. He just fell out because <laughs> number one, you, you they just lost a coach in this loss. Green Bay, Minnesota. Green Bay loses. That I feel like that's got to be it. Like you can't. How angry must you be if you're Aaron Rodgers? Oh my god! You gotta be so. Was like, that the on the bus on the way home? From the Grey Cup yesterday, a lot of the, a lot of the fans were talking about the Eskimos that he's expected in Edmonton, and they're talking about how pissed Mike Riley must be. And I just kept k- turning it in my mind to how pissed must Aaron Rodgers be? Yeah, I <laughs> to mean, be that talented on a team that is just screwing up your career. Like he could, he's talented enough to be considered theoretically in the Tom Brady Joe Montana group, but yeah. with one Super Bowl, no one, no one's ever gonna put him in that group. No, not at all. He needs one more under the belt. like, And it's the Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Peyton Manning conversation. 
Like, get that second freaking Lombardi trophy. And it, with it, I feel like with Mike McCarthy, it's never going to be the case. He is the worst fourth quarter coach in the league. Just calls a yeah. terrible football game. Now that Mike Martz isn't in the league anymore. Yeah. <laughs> very, Bring very Mike true. Martz back to coach the Green Bay Packers. How much fun <laughs> would that be? They would still suck in the fourth quarter, but it would be fun to watch. It would be very exciting. Okay. Let's um, uh, talk about the game that just finished up. Yeah. Recording Monday night here, Texans-Titans. Texans with their eighth straight win and looking real good. Oh, my gosh. Like, beyond good. I cannot believe how polished Deshaun Watson looks for missing a majority of his rookie season. Yeah. Like, he started off the season. We all forget because Adrian Peterson came back that one time and just wowed us. Yeah. That it takes a while. It really takes a long time to recover from ACL tears. Yes, and, and also I think as a he is quarterback fully now. who has to learn a whole bunch and you miss the season, like, I think yeah. this is only a testament to how... As a quarterback who always has people running towards your knees, falling around your knees, yeah. to get your mind in the right set, even once your body is fully ready I mean, to go. He has done it once before. He did tear his ACL in his, uh, I think it was his freshman season. It's the opposite knee, right? It was the opposite knee. Yeah, he's done in both yep. knees now. Um, and his composure is the one thing that when I watched him play in Clemson, because that's my team, um, he literally looked like a champion. He never was shook. <laughs> he looked like Eli when he was in prime. Like everything was just blowing, <laughs> like just yeah. washing over him. And if they were winning, if they were losing, he was the same dude. He may smirk, he may give a little like sigh, but you would never, you had no idea what he was thinking. And that's what you want from your quarterback, and that's what you're getting from him. And the worst part is, is he's keeping that stupid coach in the damn league longer. <laughs> yeah, how much are you worried that this will be a situation three or four years from now where we'll be ripping Bill O'Brien because he's an idiot in the fourth quarter? And Deshaun Watson should ha- be have much more success, but he's being held back by this coach. Coach, yeah, I feel like I, uh, we can just tape the segment about Aaron Rodgers five seconds ago and just. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, I, I it just I feel like that's definitely going to be the case. Like, I, uh, I, he's such a bad coach, but hey, all this talent is firing on all cylinders. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> All right, let's talk a couple uh, NFC division races. Okay. First, I want to talk uh, NFC North. Chicago keeps on rumbling, but uh, Minnesota beat Green Bay this week. Do you see any chance of Minnesota passing Chicago? Um, I don't know. Uh, I I feel like if if the Chicago Bears continue this weird pace that I never would have expected. Like, they keep winning at home. How much of a difference can Khalil Mack make? Yikes. Oh, my gosh. Like, your entire defense went from being a good defense to one of the best defenses in the league. Like, that's as simple as who he is. Um, Yeah, they play each other in the last week. I'm just looking up the schedule here. Yeah. Bears got uh, Giants, the easy win. Rams, that's not a great game. Packers, 49ers. 
and then they finish with the Vikings. That uh, that's a pretty easy schedule. It might make it pretty tough for the Vikings to pass them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like Chicago's definitely got this one on lock, which was so weird to me. And um, yeah, I feel like they're gonna lock that one down, and I don't think they're gonna Minnesota's gonna catch up, but they're probably gonna slide into the wild card. Yeah, Minnesota has the edge because of their tie right now for the wild card. Yes. And then there's a glut of teams at 6-5. and five. So right now the NFC wild card situation is complete madness. There's really no way to make a prediction without an entire flowchart. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's okay. talk about the more embarrassing division. Yeah. The NFC East is a complete mess. Yeah. But right now we got Dallas and Washington on tops, both six and five. Philadelphia five and six, just behind them. New York yeah, yeah. Giants are three and eight. This division might be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> the Giants win the whole thing. No I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> you know when Eli gets into the playoffs, if he wins a game, oh. he wins them all. Yeah, look out for that dude. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Dallas definitely wins it. Followed by Philadelphia. I think Washington losing Smith means the Colt-McCoy scenario is really not going to pan out their way. Yeah, Washington Washington was primed to fall off a cliff anyways. Yeah. They had uh, they, they were getting so, something like, uh, like loose fumbles, which is a completely random stat. They were recovering like something like 80% of them. Some absurd yeah. number. Like, they were just getting all the bounces were going that way. So I think they're clearly going to fall off the cliff. I agree with I, you 100%. Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott, is basically what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's... Uh, like, Philadelphia, how they didn't somehow get Le'Veon Bell on their team will mystify me <laughs> for quite a while, because that seemed like such a perfect fit, given their situation. I feel like... Um, but I still think they'll pull it out. I feel like they didn't want to be involved in this scenario of Pittsburgh, but I, it threw me off. I felt like there should have been I don't think he could have gotten for like a third-round pick right at the end of the trade deadline or I, or, like or like, uh, like you go a little hard and be like a third and a seventh or something. Like, yeah. get him. NFL teams love draft picks. You could have pried them away. Yeah, well, otherwise Pittsburgh is the weirdest v- void of destroying players who don't want to play for you for pennies. <laughs> yeah. so. Plus you get a steal them from your in-state rival. I don't know how much of a rival there is there in different conferences, but yeah. I feel like may- maybe there's some rivalry there that you could have uh, oh. lit a fire underneath your fans. Not that Philadelphia fans need any extra fire. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I feel like Le'Veon Bell kind of got the poop end of the stick there. But he's definitely yeah. going to be back next year with a with a nasty vengeance. Yeah, that that'll be one of the top storylines early in the twenty nineteen NFL season for sure. A hundred percent. Okay. Shall we move from the grass to the ice? I agree with you. How's that a for a transition? <laughs> from the from the, I like it. All the best <laughs> transitions are acknowledged. Yeah, exactly. Good transitions deserve to be a, get a little nod tip of my hat to that one <laughs> so the news is a little old now i think this happened this tuesday so we're six days behind but i think it has to be mentioned todd yeah. mcclellan has been fired by the edmonton oilers and immediately hired 
Uh, Ken Hitchcock. Okay, and the reason why we're going to talk about this so much is because why, why, <laughs> why? The problem with Edmonton is so obvious, and it's not the coach. Oh. It is Peter Chiarelli, the man upstairs, just idiotic move after idiotic move, and except for Superman... There's no real talent on this team anymore. I feel or like, if there is, it's way overpaid. I I feel like right now the situation should like what really should have happened was they literally should have fired everyone from the top to the bottom and everyone but Joey Moss. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> it's so beyond me because. Like, the only person who seems to have, like, who, who had, like, a heart and wanted these kids to succeed was McCullen. And he, he, he just kept getting weird trades and weird random situations. And I, I, uh, it just sucks. It sucks for him. And my guess is, number one, you should have fired him, but you also should have let that GM go at the same time. Because yeah, it, it like, was I guess that's okay. Him. The Hitchcock signing to me makes no sense. Hitchcock is oh, no. like a grind every ounce of pulp out of your team kind of guy yeah. and absolutely destroy him for the playoffs. Yep. And when you have Connor McDavid on your team, you're not thinking play playoffs isn't good enough for you. you got to be thinking what kind of coach can get me into the Stanley Cup final. There's a coach that just and got fired from Hitchcock Chicago. Hitchcock doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Probably one of the best coaches in the league. You're not yeah, when he get got fired, call. how many times did we say Edmonton makes sense for Quenville, and then they go and hire Ken Hitchcock? They literally pull out a corpse from retirement and go, "Hey, do you want to turn everyone here into garbage?" Like <laughs> it, it just... the thing about Ken Hitchcock is every hockey writer says he's a great guy to talk to. He's an amazing guy. He's got great stories. So you'll hear from the media will be very happy about Ken Hitchcock yeah, for quite a while. <laughs> that that's exciting. I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> like about the Oilers playing really, really well in the first half of the season and then everyone being injured in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, like and you look at Ken Hitchcock's career, he's got a long history of failing in the playoffs. Yep. Like he had that one. He was he the coach of the stars when they won it. Yep. Um, In '99. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like he even even with that stars team, like he had the spectacular one versus eight flameout against the Oilers that year, and yeah. Even then, he had a history of massive playoff failures, and I don't think that's the kind of guy you want to bring to this team. It's a very very weird move. Okay, Let's uh, talk uh, more recent firing. Yeah. Uh, Ron Hextall just got fired, as we're speaking now. This move kind of surprised me. Yeah. And by I, kind of, I mean a lot. <laughs> yeah, it kind of shook me a little bit too. Uh, I, I, I guess, sure... I'm, I'm st- I, I don't know why. Like GM firings in season are weird. Like you don't yeah. see that very often, and that I can't see what benefit it provides. No, not at all. Um, I guess they're wrapping up for next season. It, it, what? I'm, I'm, I don't know. Why make that move right now? 
Yeah, like Dave Haxtell has to assume that his job is done now. They're playing poorly, and now he doesn't even have the GM that hired him. It's not looking good for him. Yeah, I don't know why they never fired both at the same time and then hired a especially bag when of you fire a GM a cheeseburger. <laughs> well, at least gritty is. Uh, yeah, they got gritty. So yeah, that's, that's Flyers the thing. fans got something to hang their hats on. At least he's around, and they have been getting pummeled recently. Yeah, it's been a bad stretch. It's just the especially Braun Hextall, you know, Flyers great, super popular guy. Just very strange. Yeah, firing all around. Let's I, uh, stick around the Eastern Conference for a little bit. A hundred percent. Um, few teams I wanted to ask you about: Tampa Bay Lightning, seventeen six and one, ripping the league apart. I'm not surprised at is all this, there. Is uh, this finally, yeah. We, we've, I have predicted the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup for about four straight years now. Eventually I'll be right. I feel like this is uh, the year where you'll be right. Um, but I guess we'll see when we get yeah, down to I, I, it. Everyone likes I think I just want ball. to torture myself. As a <laughs> Flames fan in the early 2000s, I still resent them for beating my childhood Flames in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. But there's so much talent. Yeah, I mean, you're you're gonna see something uh, either amazing from them, or it. I mean, it'll be amazing either way. But the spectacular failure will be. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they can do it again after that. I feel like it'll disperse and they'll lose talent if they don't win it. This yeah, the this cap year. numbers. The cap crunch is going to come pretty quick for Tampa Bay. They've done some... Steve Eiserman did some fancy financial footwork, but it's it's going to run out pretty soon. Yeah, 200%. Uh, just behind them, just one point behind the Tampa Bay Lightning somehow is the Buffalo Sabres. In a sentence I did not expect to be saying at this point. Yeah. How How is that uh, Jeff Skinner trade looking right now? Um, really, really, really good. If it wasn't for uh, the Avalanche top line, we might be talking about this as the best line in hockey right now. 200%. Um, it's, it's crazy. I did not expect this from the Sabres at all. Like, they just are clicking and hitting on all cylinders. Like, everyone is... Well, like on offense as well as defense, it's kind of a crazy situation. Yeah, they've got the coach. They got the no-name coach who everybody was thinking, "Yeah, this is gonna be the first guy to get fired this year." Yeah, and uh, so suddenly he's not—not not that I can remember his name right now. So he's not that well known of a coach, but yeah, gone up in people's esteem. How much? Uh, one thing I wonder is you got rid of. Ryan O'Reilly, who was kind of like the leader in the locker room, despite yeah. the fact that he's also the kind of guy to drive his truck through a Tim Hortons, <laughs> completely hammered, and then flee the scene. Yeah. I think that that has to help getting a guy like that out of the locker room. Yeah, it, I guess it does. I mean, you can't have hot and cold lunatics in there. So, um, they've won, what, nine in a row right Is now? it that much now? I think it yes. is nine in a row. Like, they have been literally one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine with the Red Wings. Like, they are, wow, spectacular. That and, is impressive. Jack Eichel is showing his promise. Like, there's just all, everything is going right right now. Yeah, and uh, it's cool to see, especially with a no-name coach. Like, you didn't pull yeah. out a fossil out of retirement, so great decisions for Buffalo. All right, let's uh, move to some teams that are struggling a little bit. Yes. Um, Pittsburgh. Yeah. They're 9, 8, and 5 overtime losses right now. If it wasn't for the stupid loser point, we'd be talking about a team that's significantly under 500 for a team that has all the talent in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, they're allowed to start slow. They've done it before. Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean for right now, we're just gonna be like, hey, they're starting slow because, you know, they're Pittsburgh. They can do that. They have the ability to turn it all around in the blink of an eye. Now but, one thing Pittsburgh has done, they start slow and then we've seen them fire their coach. Yeah. And that's what turns them around. Very true. Uh, do you think um, Mike Johnson's in any any kind of trouble? I don't believe so. I think they have a little more trust in him than one would expect. How but about, I mean, hey, you have the one of the best coaches in the league sitting at home right now. <laughs> you beat me to the punch, I was just about <laughs> to say. As you said, the best coach in the world doesn't have a job right now, so that's gotta make a lot of a lot of organizations a little twitchy with the the trigger figure on the firing, I think, right now. Yeah, I would agree with you hundred percent. Like, why not? Like it's a really good move for them if they wanted to. Like, they're not downgrading at all. So... I would be interested to see how Quenville would work with Crosby and Malkin. I think that'd be an interesting interesting combination. Because Quenville, to me, seems like Crosby's perfect coach. And he's... I don't... Has he ever been the head coach of Team Canada? He's certainly been the assistant coach on Team Canada for quite a while. Yeah. Um, so he knows Sidney Crosby well, I'm quite sure. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like it would be a good fit, period. There's no doubt about it. Great coaches definitely hang out with great players. Like, yeah. they, they run into each other by way of the Olympics and everything that kind of comes along with that. So... My guess is they probably have a relationship that is pretty good. So, I mean, my guess is he probably has a little bit of a candle under the coach's butt right now. But I feel like he's not (laughs) overly worried. You don't actually see it happening? No, I don't think so. Last team I wanted to ask you about. The New York Rangers are currently third in the Metropolitan in a supposedly rebuilding year. Is there any chance to keep this going for the rest of the season? No, I don't think so. But... (laughs) But I feel like they do do better than what we expected from a rebuilding year. And that's a good thing for them. I yeah, mean, my worry for Rangers fans is that because of this, they're not going to rebuild properly because they are the New York Rangers. Oh, yeah. And they're going to take this as a sign. It's and they're going to go out and they're going to sign, like, throw all the money in the world at Eric Carlson or something like that and just be a middling team for the next few years. Yeah, that's very, very true. Hopefully they can kind of just be happy with the success they're having and see some kind of growth. Maybe find like an older leader type guy who isn't a lot of money and just keep these kids growing 
and to the to be great players instead of throwing a bunch of money at them and then being mad when they're underperforming. <laughs> that would certainly be the smart thing to do. I'm not sure if it's what we're actually going to see, however. Very, very true. Okay, um, what's our next lovely story? How about we move to ten stories? Ooh. Let's do our not quite new, but still very new segment, Ten Stories We Love, where we fire through ten stories in two minutes or less. And we're going to start it off with... Uh, some Canadian ski news. Roz, Groneveld, and Eric Gay, both Canadian world championships, world champions, have retired. From? Um, so, <laughs> yes, I forget sometimes that people don't follow the smaller sports quite as much as I do. So, Roz Groneveld is a freestyle skier. Okay. Uh, mostly half pipe. Um, she won the world championships in 2011, was the heavy favorite going into the 2014 Sochi Olympics. Yep. Unfortunately, she injured both of her knees just a couple months beforehand. And while she was able to get back she to was perform at, at the Olympics, she was not at 100%. So she never got her Olympic medal, but she is a world champion. And, um, she did a lot for the sport after her friend Sarah Burke died in an accident. Um, she used her legacy quite a bit to make sure that, um, freestyle skiing, women's freestyle skiing got well represented in the Olympics yeah. and in the X Games. And she did a lot for the sport in that fashion. Okay. And Eric Gay is a, he started out his career as a big time downhill skier. Yeah. Winning the world championships in 2011. And as he aged, he... Uh, turned more into the more technical technical events and won the Super G in 2017. Okay. He's Canada's most prolific alpine skier of all time, I believe. There we go. Um, these are great kind of champions uh, stepping away, and we hope all the best for them in their post-sport careers. Absolutely. Okay, next story. James Paxton has been traded to the New York Yankees. Now, what does this mean for the Yankees? Anytime you can get a giant, hard-throwing pitcher into your roster, yeah. I think is something worth doing. Okay, okay. So it gives a little bit more depth to their bullpen. Well, he is a starting pitcher, at oh, least. Really? Um, so he's had some injury histories. Some injury history, um, but he I was I think eleven and six or something like that last year. Uh, like he's a he's a Toronto his he's a his nickname is the Big Maple. Oh yeah, there we he's go. Big, when he is on, he is on. So I mean that leads um, to uh, I guess uh, what would, would you maybe move him to a closer or something, or is he just? I don't know if closer, but it certainly struck me. I don't know if this is what they're, they're probably when you make a trade like this, you want him to become like your number two man, your big starter. Gotcha. But it certainly struck me as the kind of trade that we might end up seeing in the playoffs. He's the guy that goes three innings. Gotcha. Kind of like uh, Hater did for the Brewers this year. Gotcha. Yes. He's your guy that absolutely rips it. That you bring in to bring in a whole bunch. But absolute flamethrower. That's kind of where I... The Yankees, I'm sure, are hoping for more from him, but that's kind of what I expect to go down. Okay, awesome. Next. 
To the world of biathlon, the IBU Cup has announced several changes for the upcoming season. Okay. So, first of all, the super sprint cha- um, changes, they're adding a bit of distance to all the quali- to all the sprints. Okay. The reason given for this was to by increasing them from 800 meters to events that take place on a one kilometer track, they increase the amount of venues that can support a World Cup event. Oh, okay, okay, got you. So it's a move kind of to get them into different places. Yeah, to widen. So normally they start in Scandinavia, but they were able to start this season in Slovenia for the first time ever. Okay, so more fans equals better moves for your sport. Yes. And as far as the shooting portion of the sprint goes, they will go from having three extra bullets for the entire event to having one spare for every time you get into the range. Oh, okay. Now, I'm not a huge fan of this because I love when you get the three extra bullets, they're not loaded. If you've never watched it, sometimes you just have an extra bullet in your gun already loaded. Yeah. And if you miss, you just take your other shot right away. With the three, you don't have them, and you have to load them. So if you miss, it really, really has an effect. Yes. And then if you miss all three, then you got to run the penalty loop. And when a, when like a leader like um oh I'm spacing on the guy's name the big German guy who was the favorite going into the Olympics, going into the final round of the relay during the Olympics, had, had it all set up, but he blew through all three of his extra shots and then had to run the penalty lap and just absolutely torched germans went from right up to the front to not even in the medals it was absolutely spectacular great drama you just got them the nerves got to them okay next story absolutely um so one more change of the ibu cup they shortened the individual race down to 20 kilometers to 15 kilometers and this was given the climate change is basically the reason they want to shorten the event so that they can have more wiggle room to deal with warm weather. Got you. Okay. Next story. The Canada men's rugby team managed to sneak into the 2019 World Cup by the skin of their chin. Okay. I think okay. That's how that saying goes. <laughs> by the old skin of the chin, chin, chin. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. Now. Yes. Yeah, so they had to go to the. The special play-in round. Yeah. But they were able to go 3-0 and in the special play-in round, Robin, and will be in Japan for the 2019 World Rugby Championship. They have never missed this event, and it is believed that it would have cost them up to $10 million of funding from can, um, various Canadian sports agencies had they missed out on this year's World oh, Cup. Wow. So the team is quite happy. Yeah, very, very happy. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Yes, it is. Okay, next story. Phil Mickelson beats Tiger Woods in 22 holes in the match. Okay. A made-for-TV golf event. Very, very weird. Yes, I think that's a good way to put this entire scenario. I, I guess this is everything everyone wanted. The guy who cheated versus the guy who's a family man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's 
Everybody has somebody to root for. Nobody cares so about Phil Mickelson anymore, though. Let's be honest. No. Like, <laughs> and they put it pay-per-view, $20 for the pay-per-view. And, like, there's just weird thing after weird thing with this event. They didn't allow fans in. Like, they didn't sell tickets. What? They gave a bunch of VIPs entry. Oh, that's so brutal. <laughs> but, yeah, there wasn't fans surrounding it. And if you watch, if you watch golf tournaments, they fly around from shot to shot. It is really tough to just watch one pair of golfers. Yeah, there's a lot of downtime. You know, you got thirty seconds of swinging and then ten minutes of walking somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure you made your twenty dollars a match back, and everyone's definitely going to get the next the match between (laughs) Steve and Rick. Yeah, exactly. I I think we all hope that this is the last we see of any kind. This odd setup. Yeah, 200%. Okay, next story. The 2019 Rosa details have been... For the Giro Rosa, sorry. The details have been released. Okay. The highlight of this is the Gavia, a climb that hasn't been climbed in any tournament since 2003... Will be the highest point of the race. Yes. So that is going to affect a big... That's like a big change. Yeah, well, it's... It's it's a continuation of a big change yeah. that started, I think, three years ago. Okay, is that... This is that, the highest... Uh, with the new leader of the... Like, the head of the cycling world, dude? Uh, I don't believe it was under his... It is kind of around that timing, but okay. it, I don't believe it was under his direction. Got you. But they really started... So three years ago, they went up the Stelvio, which is an epic climb. Then they followed that up with the Motorola. And then this past year, the big stage was the Zocalon, which is generally considered the hardest climb in cycling. Okay. Uh, and the Gavia is one of the highest climbs in Italy. It'll be... You gotta get your altitude training because it will absolutely torture legs. So it does show a continuation of really... They're making the Giro Rosa as hard as possible. Yeah. And they're really tasking really tasking the best women cyclists in the game with this. And they're just continuing. We don't have the full route. It'll be announced in March. Okay, okay. With the details we do know, it appears to be, once again, a very tough race. There we go, there we go. Okay, next story. The World Chess Championship, after the full 12 rounds, remains tied at 6-6. Six to six. Okay, okay. This is still going. Like, this is yes, wild Yes, it was chess. supposed to end today. They did not, uh, they did not help us out. Not at all. <laughs> um, so this has been 12 straight draws so far. Uh, particularly the 12th game was very strange. Magnus Carlsen appeared to have the advantage playing black. Not a situation you find yourself in very often. Yeah. And stunned Caruana by offering a draw after only 31 moves. And Caruana was none too... Was absolutely happy enough to accept that. Really? Which... So my instinct at first, when that first happened, was... Carlson is the, like, this is the first match between world number one and world number two in the world championship yeah. in quite a long time. I think something like 27 years. Okay, okay. Um, 
But when it comes to rapid fire, which is what we'll see now, on Wednesday we'll see the tiebreaker games, which are all going to be rapid fire games. In rapid fire, Magnus Carlsen is still the world number one. But Caruana is only the world number nine in rapid fire. Oh, okay. So is this where we're going to see him separate? Yeah, so that was my thought was, okay, Carlson's doing this because he just thinks he has better luck in the rapid fire. But I don't know that much. I'm not a chess expert. Meanwhile, Gary Kasparov came out and said the exact opposite is what I said. And said, and Kasparov's belief was that this showed that Carlson, the nerves are getting to him, and he now favors Caruana in the tiebreaker games. So this will be, it's all, it'll all go down on Wednesday, and it'll all be very exciting. Okay, next story. The Japanese women started the Tomakomai World Cup off with an incredible bang. Tomakomai World Cup is in... That is in Tomakumai. You just wanted to make me say that again, <laughs> Japan. <laughs> Got him. Also, what sport? <laughs> uh, so, oh, yeah. So this is the speed skating, uh, the second of the ISU's World Cups in uh, long track speed skating. Perfect. There we go. And the Japanese started off the first day. They won the uh, team pursuit. The Japanese team pursuit in 2018 may have been the most dominant team in any league. Yeah. <laughs> like, across like, the world. Japan, uh, they, Japan women, Japan's women have basically dominated speed skating for a long time. Yeah. They did not lose a single event last year, and it appears to be continuing so far this year. And they followed it up with... Uh, and they didn't even have Nao Kadera, their superstar, in that race, because she immediately followed it up with... A wildly impressive win in the 500 meters, winning by half a second in only 500 meters. Wow. That's... Behind her, the, the gaps were like two hundredths of a second, seven hundredths of a second, and then she comes out and immediately drop, pushes it to eight tenths of a second. Wow. Before the person who came behind her eventually did push it to only a half a second behind her. That's crazy. She's... That's... But, Oh, that's world yeah, she class, also world she class. won the thousand meter later on in the tournament as well. She is absolutely the top of her game right now. Holy, okay, next story. Isabel Weidman won the gold in the three thousand meter at that same event. Okay, okay, Isabel Weidman is. She is a Canadian. This was the one Canadian gold in this event, and it was very strong. She started out. After 800 meters, every person that came after her, after 800 meters, they were all ahead of her. But in that 800 to 1600 meter stretch, she absolutely tore apart from everybody and nobody could catch up to her in the end. There we go. It's very impressive. Um, compared to the men in their distance race, Ted Jan Blomen managed to finish in last place. And the other Canadians did no better than 14th. Okay, okay. There we go. Big job there from our Canadian woman. Big, big win. Absolutely. Okay, next story. Josh Donaldson has signed a one-year contract with the Atlanta Braves for $23 million. Well, hopefully they win again because Josh Donaldson deserves another. 
Yeah, this is not the contract Josh Donaldson would have hoped for. True. Uh, two years ago, he would have probably would have hoped for you know, twenty three million dollars. Might have been around the yearly range he was hoping, but he would have been hoping to sign one of those mega, at least five years or something like that to really line his pocketbooks. True, I bet. I mean, he's been banged up. You know, it's. I don't know. I I just feel like with that shoulder, he is. You, 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 it's a big risk to invest. Yeah, I think this is a great job out of the Atlanta Braves. Yes. Because, like you said, it's not that big of a risk because it is just one year. You don't want to put that big investment in. Yeah. But a one-year contract can be managed. And we saw this year they got a lot of talent, and they got a, it's just a lot of young talent. Yeah. And Josh Donaldson so is a great leader. Bat. So it's good to have him in your locker room. Yep, I think... Uh, Pretty good all around, even if Donaldson may have hoped for more in the not so distant future, not so distant past. I'm sure he'll take a little less if he can definitely get a get a ring. So, <laughs> <laughs> not a bad place to start trying, I don't think. Exactly. Okay, um, that's our last story. That, yeah, that rounds up uh, ten stories we love. Okay, slide. Shall we move on to League of Legends free agency? We're going to finish here. Yes, eSports here, finishing it up, the newest sport. Um, we had some free agency wildness happen. Let me get my <laughs> device all fired up here. Um, we're going to start it off with Bang. He jumped in, over from L- LCS. Moved over to 100 Thieves. Yes. I'm not quite sure who you're referring to by LCS, but he joined from SKT. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my bad. Sorry, I wrote that down terribly. <laughs> <laughs> so close. But yeah, um, so 100 Thieves were, they were right on the, pre- like they were hoping to have a better season. They finished just 10 and 8. Yeah. Uh, and this bang is certainly certainly a talent to place in there. I don't know if it will put them over the top this year or not. I, I can't imagine it will. Especially when you see um, big moves like um, hold on here. Let me slide down a little bit to look at this other wicked one. Uh, Cloud9 um, uh, Team Liquid snagging Cloud9's Jensen. Uh, that move right there, I feel like, keeps them kind of a step ahead of them, even with that. Move. Yeah, that's big, not just for Team Liquid getting Jensen an incredible mid. Yeah. But also taking an incredible mid from Cloud9. Exactly. They picked up themselves, they picked up Niski from Splice. But I think that's definitely a drop. Yeah, no, 100%. Definitely a downgrade. Uh, Team Liquid definitely coming up with a big one there. I mean, they they were they were 12 and 6. It 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 makes sense for them to make that move. Um, so it'll be exciting to see what Team Liquid looks like. Yeah, the rich get richer. I think to a certain degree. Yeah, here. 100%. Um. What else we got here? Uh, Potbelter is rumored to be joining FlyQuest, another one of those teams 
that uh, finished at 10 and 8 and right on the precipice of the playoffs. Yeah, um, it, it, it's a big move, and hopefully that works out for FlyQuest because they definitely. Yeah, FlyQuest has had some. There's been some negative action with Fly. They've lost a couple people already. Yeah. So they really need this to go through for them. Yeah, hundred percent. If they if they don't get this, it might be kind of a rebuilding year for them. Yeah. And uh, the last uh, one we're going to mention, and I think probably the biggest, Power of Evil joins, goes from Optic Gaming to Counter Logic Gaming. And? Now, Counter Logic Gaming, they were only 7-11 in the sevens in yeah. the summer split, but that was extremely disappointing. They were expecting a lot better than that. 100%. And with a move like this, you can tell they definitely were you know yeah they're not messing around power of evil is one of the best in the game at the all-important mid position and if you if you expect summer this the summer split of 7-eleven was just an aberration they could they could certainly maybe not actually challenge team liquid or at least to the point where you're betting them against team liquid yeah but they they could they could provide some real competition up there with this team, I believe. Yeah, 250% there. Like, it's a big move, and they're doing it because they want to start immediately on the right foot. And not take a step back again. For sure. Yeah, and when we talked about uh, Optic Gaming, they're, they replace Power of Evil with Crown. And they were only 9-9 nine and nine to start with. I think they're probably going to take a step back as well. Depending on what they do with their jungle. Very, very true. Okay, so um, I think that will be the end of our show today. Um, thank you guys for listening. You know, it, it does mean a lot. You know, we do it for the love of it. And thank you guys. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks for listening. This is brought to you by Head to Head Productions. We want to thank you guys for listening. You're the only reason we exist. So keep on liking and sharing.